Hey, this is Kes. And Violet. And this is season two of Nightmares at Midnight. Everybody and thanks for tuning back in. I know it's been a while, kind of off and on on the episodes. We've I've been struggling here at home a little bit, um, but I've got Violet here with me, and we're gonna go through the Easter origins and where the Easter Bunny came from. Uh, she did most of the research for this one. So she's going to talk a lot on it. So bear with her a little bit. And I want to encourage her to grow and learn how to do the podcast so she can do it a lot more. So we're just going to jump right into it. I'm not going to give you the spiel today. We're just going to jump right into the episode. So everybody say hi to Violet. Hi, Violet. Hey! (laughs) The episode, like I said, today is on Easter. Easter was just this last Sunday. For those of you that celebrate, the first question that I asked was, what is Easter? Easter is one of the holidays or feasts for Christianity. It marks the resurrection of Jesus three days after his death by crucifixion. For many Christian churches, Easter is the joyful end of the Lenten season. I guess I hadn't heard of Lenten before. I've heard of Lent, but I didn't realize that was short for Lenten. Never heard of it either. The earliest recorded observant of Easter comes from the 2nd century, though it is likely that even the earliest Christians commemorated the resurrection, which is an integral tenet of the faith. Pagans live their lives in strong accordances with nature's rhythms and patterns and solstices and equinoxes were considered to be sacred times. A solstice marks the longest or shortest day of the year, while an equinox symbolizes the day when there is balance between daylight and darkness. This shows the end of one season and the beginning of another. In the Northern Hemisphere, Easter falls on the spring equinox, when winter is coming to an end and nature's experience a rebirth and renewal. This is naturally a cause for festivities and celebrations as the darkness comes to an end and plants and leaves start to regrow after the very cold winter. So around mid-300 A.D., Christianity was increasing in popularity in Rome, then the center of the world. In 312, the emperor Constantine converted to Christianity and put an end to the ongoing persecution of Christians. However, he knew that just because he had converted, it didn't mean that pagans would stop following their rituals and traditions. So he slowly started to adopt existing pagan rituals into Christian festivities. In 325 A.D., the church council, known as the Council of Nicaea, Nicaea? I'm not sure how that C is pronounced there, first decided that Easter's celebration should fall on the Sunday 
after the first full moon of the spring equinox. And thus, Easter Sunday was born. And symbols associated with nature's rebirth and renewal came to be associated with the rebirth or resurrection of Christ. There were plenty of parallel rival resurrected saviors too. Um, the Sumerian goddess Inanna or Ishtar. Don't shoot me or hang me up here if I'm pronouncing these wrong. I'm sorry. That goddess was hung naked on a stake and was subsequently resurrected and ascended from the underworld. Another one is the one of the older Egyptians, Horus, was born on December 25th. Horus and his damaged eye became symbols of life and rebirth. Mithras was born on what we now call Christmas Day, and his followers celebrated the spring equinox. So why is Easter called Easter? The English word Easter, which parallels the German word Ostern, is of uncertain origin. It likely derives from the Christian designation of Easter week, as in albis, or albis, it's a Latin phrase that was understood as the plural of alba, which means dawn, and became eosterum in Old High German. So the Latin and Greek pasha, which means Passover, provides the root for pax, the French word for Easter. So that was a lot. I don't know if he took away much from that, but lots of different languages, roundabout, it all narrowed down to Easter. Okay, where did the Easter Bunny originally came from? The Bible makes no mention of a long-eared, short-tailed creature who delivers the colorful, decorated eggs to well-behaved children on Easter Sunday. Nevertheless, the Easter Bunny has become a prominent symbol of Christianity's most important holiday. The exact origins of this mythical mammal are unclear, but rabbits, known to be prolific procreators, are an ancient symbol of fertility and new life. According to some sources, the Easter Bunny first arrived in America in the 1700s with German immigrants who settled in Pennsylvania and transported their tradition of an egg-laying hare called Osterhaze or Oxterhaas. Quick thing, if you have watched Teen Titans Go, there's that creepy-faced bunny that had actually laid the eggs around the city. Like, I don't know that I've seen that episode. I, I've seen that episode, and that little gave made me cringe so deeply I could feel it in my heart. Anyways, their children made nests in which this creature could lay its colored eggs. Eventually, the custom spread across the U.S. and the fabled Rabbit's Easter morning deliveries expanded to include chocolate and other types of candy and gifts, while decorated baskets replaced nests. Additionally, children often left out carrots for the bunny in case he got hungry from all his hopping. I would be hungry too. Well, like cookies for Santa. Or milk. Yeah, exactly. One theory, according to Time Magazine, is that the symbol of the rabbit stems from the ancient pagan tradition on which many of our Easter traditions are based, the Festival of Eostori. which honored the goddess of fertility in spring. The goddess's animal symbol was a rabbit, 
which have long traditionally stood for fertility due to their high reproduction rates, like Violet said. That's what prolific procreation means. Yeah. Just a random fun fact that we had found pretty interesting is that the largest Easter egg ever made was over 25 feet high and weighed over 8,000 pounds. It was built out of chocolate and marshmallow, which sounds so delicious, and supported by an internal steel frame. Okay, I would not eat that, though, because obviously the steel is inside of the egg. yeah, but it was probably for decoration, some museum or something. Or maybe that chocolate guy. You know what I'm talking about? The French one that always makes chocolate stuff on all the videos that you watch? Oh, yeah. And he made, like, the chocolate dinosaur or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was so cool. Um, Yeah, but... I can't remember his name. the, the, the fact that it's just, like, chocolate and marshmallows. So I think of those chocolate marshmallow cubes that we get at the world's largest chocolate fountain. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Anchorage? Yeah, in Anchorage. So good. Yeah, if you haven't been there, there's, uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, there is a store that holds the tallest chocolate fountain. And it's a... Uh, very Willy Wonka-esque. So it's pretty cool. And you can go in there and watch them make the candies and stuff. One time when we went in there, they were making chocolate-covered gummy bears. Oh, and that was pretty so cool sad. to watch on the the, the belt. The, the belt. Yeah, we'll just call it a belt. Yeah, thank you. What's the actual Conveyor name? Conveyor belt. Conveyor belt. Yes, thank you. Okay. So Easter is the second best-selling candy holiday in America after Halloween. I would have thought Valentine's Day was. That too, because like, Valentine's Day, because there's so much romance in the world. Yeah, chocolate. Yeah, including the chocolate. Yeah. Among the most popular sweet treats associated with this day are chocolate eggs, which date back to early 19th century Europe. Eggs have long been associated with Easter as a symbol of new life and Jesus' resurrection. Another egg-shaped candy, the jelly bean, which... I don't know if you know this, but this is Gunkin's favorite candy. Did you know that? That jelly beans are her favorite? I'll have to get her that. Yeah. The jelly beans became associated with Easter in the 1930s, although the jelly beans' origins reportedly date all the way back to the biblical era concoction called a Turkish delight. I don't know what the, I, I've the, heard the of Turkish biblical delights. era is. I have no that's idea. Like with, that's like in the Jesus time. Oh, Okay. And I I thought a Turkish delight was a baked good, like something else. But. Uh, maybe. Uh, well, because it's Turkish, I'm guessing somewhere around uh, Thanksgiving, obviously. Because <laughs> the turkey. Yeah, turkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's not turkey. what that means. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can't blame me for wanting turkey. According to the National Confectioners Association, which, yes, that is a thing, over 16 billion jelly beans are made in the U.S. each year for Easter, enough to fill a giant egg measuring 89 feet high and 60 feet wide. For the past decade, the top-selling non-chocolate Easter candy has been the marshmallow peep, gross, a sugary pastel-colored confection. Quick fact about those is actually they are very highly flammable. I did not know that. Yeah, they're very fancy. I just lit one on fire just to watch it burn. I haven't either. But still, I found out that fact while I was doing research. I'm just like, Mm. huh. I just think they're gross. I also think they're gross. The best way to eat a peep is to throw it in the garbage. (laughs) Uh, More interesting facts is in Australia, 
The spring holiday is greeted with the Easter bilby, an endangered rabbit-like marsupial native to that country. Other gift-bearing animals include the Easter cuckoo in Switzerland and, in some parts of Germany, the Easter fox or the Easter rooster. Okay, I want the Easter fox, Gib. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool (laughs) to have other things besides bunnies. I I like that they put in the Easter fox because, one, imagine this little fox carrying this little basket of eggs. Would he have a suit coat? Yes. (laughs) With, like, a little flower crown on his top hat with a little monocle. Yeah, and he just delivers them right to your door. (laughs) Don't stab me in the heart. Now, to get to the spooky part of an otherwise happy and bright holiday, (laughs) while researching, Violet found a legend, and it's movie-related, but... She's going to tell you about it. Mostly, it's a legend. Okay, so we are going to be talking about the Bunnyman Bridge legend. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but this one kind of creeped me out due to of what ha- or what technically happened. Okay, so let's dive right in. For more than 25 years, stories of the Bunny Man have been kept alive primarily amongst our teenage population. That's you. Yep. (laughs) Over the years, the story has evolved into a ghost story suitable for parties, campouts, and any occasion that such tales are exchanged. It was at one such gathering in 1976 that the author first heard it told. The quote-unquote, the bunny man was said to be responsible for the two deaths of two disobedient children in the Clifton area. I have never been there, never heard of it really until I look it up. Others were rumored to have disappeared, and there was talk of animals horribly mutilated. I never actually saw the bunny man otherwise than in pictures but i have heard that people have strayed away into the woods especially at night definitely near that ridge so most childhood ghost stories are forgotten as one gets older however the bunny man followed me meaning like memory wise no he did not stalk this person if he stalked that person i'd just be like call the police after graduating from college i accepted a position with the Fairfax Country Public Library, eventually becoming an information specialist in the Virginia room. One day in 1992, a very well-spoken young lady came into the Virginia room with a question. She wanted to know how she could find information on a murder that was supposed to have taken place near her home. As I interviewed the patron, to a certain what hard fact she had to go on. Some vague memory nagged at me. Two children were allegedly murdered by a local hermit for trespassing, and their bodies were left hanging from a covered bridge, which is usually where the bunny man is to be seen. She had no names and only a vague idea of a time frame. The whole story seems a little fantastic, but the thing that really bothered her was the guy was supposed to be an escaped inmate dressed in a bunny suit, which is how the bunny man was technically created because it was a man in a bunny suit. At this point, even though the story had evolved a bit, I recognized a tale from my own youth. We were unable to confirm any 
elements of the story as she or I had first heard it, and I put it down in my mind as a story fabricated to scare children. So pretty much people use it to scare their kids when their kids aren't learning. You mean like aren't listening? Aren't listening, yeah. So the part that you just told, that guy uh, just told his story about it. Yeah. His interaction with it. Or hers. We do. I do not know the specific gender. Oh. I have not found that okay. out. I didn't say. Okay, so here's some official reports. October 18th, the soul on Robert Bennett and his fiancée. I think this is the one of where they were both sitting in the car together, just looking at the view. So the man, Robert Bennett, next to his fiancée, he, you know, in those, like, corner mirrors of your doors and everything, well, he saw a figure with two long ears and supposedly looked like a bunny and as he told his fiance to be quiet for just a moment and they heard footsteps coming towards their car then he saw the figure running at their car the figure he saw had a hatchet in their hand and they like smashed that hatchet into the window and was like screaming you're trespassing you're trespassing and then the figure ran off, leaving its hatchet in the car window. So that's what that incident was. 10.30 p.m. on October 29th, 1970, six officers responded to 5307 Guinea Road for a subject dressed as a rabbit with an axe. The officers found no rabbit, and the case was turned over to investigator W.L. Johnson of the Criminal Investigation Bureau. The police set up a stakeout. The Axeman never materialized. On November 4th, investigator Johnson received a call from a resident of the area who informed him that her son claimed to know the identity of the bunny man. She stated that some of the neighborhood children who have been seen or been with the bunny man described him as an older teenager. Johnson interviewed the son and eventually learned that he has not actually met the bunny man but has only heard of the bunny man at school. On March 14, 1971, Johnson wrote the following summary. After a very extensive investigation into this and all other cases of the same nature, it has been unsubstantiated as to whether or not there really is a white rabbit. The only people who have this so-called white rabbit have been children of rather young ages, which I'm guessing these young children know the bunny man due to their parents telling them the story to scare the children. But anyways, continuing as what he had wrote, upon interviewing everyone in this case that may have had any knowledge of any incidents concerned a white rabbit that has been no significant information uncovered that would lead to the identity of a person or persons that were posing as a white rabbit. This case will be marked as inactive. That was a lot. Yeah, okay, so one of the theories of who this bunny man is is, so they were driving 
these, I think, 10 inmates. I am not completely sure. So they had gotten into a crash while they were bringing them to their prison slash mental home. What was Facility. Mental facility. Thank you. Uh, they were bringing them to the mental facility. They had crashed. And they had found everyone else but this one man. And this man was known to have killed his entire family on Easter, including his own fiance. That's why he was going to the mental facility. Then soon after the crash, multiple people have given reports of sightings of under the ridge. They have seen this man in a bunny suit just standing under it, staring at them as they walked by. And if they got too close, he would slowly step forward, which would scare them away. Obviously, I would be scared of my mind. I'd call the police. Okay, let's just give a random fact. The Mighty Man Bridge was featured in the Fox documentary, Scariest Places on Earth, and is mentioned across the internet. I found some merch with things like an adult holding either a hatchet or an axe in his hand. Some show the Bunny Man bridge on it with the logo above the Bunny Man. Uh, there's also a beer company called Bunny Man Brewing. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, for the people who enjoy finding new drinks to investigate. Let's just go to the movies that I have found and recorded. Okay. So, I found some movies while I was researching of the Bunny Man. One of them was called Bunny Man's Vengeance or The Bunny Man Massacre. The Bunny Man's Vengeance is about the quote-unquote Bunny Man who returns to his family's haunted house and then unleashes his bloodlust, killing many people in the process. And the cover of it, the quote-unquote Bunny Man is holding a chainsaw which is different from an axe originally, and is pretty much the most seen part of the cover. And with a few people with like hoods on their heads. The Benny Man Massacre is about a man in a bunny suit whose bloodlust is released on a town, killing anything that is seen in his path. A man known as Joe helps dispose of the bodies, selling them as beef jerky in a shop. That gross. is so gross. Like, and people don't even know that very um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, that's not what I was going to say. Oh, what are you going to say? I was going to say Demon on Barber Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think of part of that. It's got Johnny Depp and uh, oh, Helena Bonham Carter. I almost forgot. And he is a barber, and he kills people, and then drops them through the floor, and she cooks them into her meat pies and sells them back to the community. Wow. Uh, it also has <laughs> Alan Rickman. It also has Alan Rickman in it. How dare you? I know, I almost forgot his name too. Pregnancy Brain. Holy cow. I just didn't know his name All the in people general, that I... were listening to the podcast just now were screaming their names <laughs> at me in I disappointment because bet... <laughs> I couldn't totally. remember. I just don't know their names really. And plus, I only know him as Snape. Right. So I'm just well, like. she's. Whoop. No, my lord. <laughs> She's one of the characters. Bellatrix. Okay. Yep. Yeah, sorry, got off topic. So the deputy of this town 
gets suspicious of the disappearances of some of his men that he had in his department, uh, and he decided to investigate. During his investigation, he finds two sisters that are persistent to not die in Joe's and the bunny man's hands. I wouldn't say hands for the bunny man. It would be more like paws. Anyways. <laughs> I had watched the trailer, and I definitely do not suggest it unless you're, like, immune to horror. I didn't think it was that scary. I felt it was very, like, B-rated movie. Yeah, but uh, the one know, that I watched, the one I watched was darker. Mm. Okay. Do you have anything more on the bunny man? Uh, that's pretty much all I have. Otherwise, yeah, just a man in a bunny suit who likes killing people. Yeah, well. Oh, and he also survived on bunnies by killing them and eating all their organs. I mean, I love rabbit. Including Throw their heart. some honey on there. Okay, maybe not the organs, but still. <laughs> Throw some honey on there and bake it. Oh, yeah. And then he would also hang them on the ridge or With in trees. Green beans. let's not get hungry here i'm already hungry well that's about all we have on the easter bunny but i do have a closing word to say unfortunately we are gonna go dark on the podcast for a while i'm not sure how long and it will not be permanent for sure, not be permanent. If it was permanent, we would just be like, okay, and this is your last episode. Goodbye. But it definitely is not. Yeah. But between working a new full-time job and finishing my last semester of school for a while and being pregnant, which has been causing me quite a lot of health issues, we're just going to have to put this on pause for a while. I'm thinking hopefully either in the summertime or fall after baby is born, we can pick back up. I just want to thank all of my listeners, and please continue to message me. I probably get a message a day from you guys with suggestions of new episodes, and I absolutely love that. So please keep doing that, and then when I can record episodes, you know, at random times, um, then I can use those ideas for that. So when I get to get an opportunity to record them, I definitely will. Uh, I apologize if this upsets anyone but it is needed for our home life right now. So thanks again for listening, and whenever it may be, catch us next time.